and welcome back to Butter With That, a movie podcast where a bunch of friends from Philadelphia talk about movies. Um, I'm joined here with Dave and Sam, and I know last week we talked about this week being a very special episode. Well, it definitely is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We are going to just catch up and chat about all the things on our minds, movie-related, TV-related, any other things that just pop into our brains for this very, very special episode. Um, Before we dive into that, once again, we're so happy to be a part of the Movie John Podcast Network. Check out all those other wonderful podcasts. Um, And uh, yeah, we're, we're so excited to continue to be a part of that family. Before we dive into our very special episode, uh, how are you all doing? How are you doing, Dave? How are you doing, Sam? You know, when you're like a broken shell of a human being, that's how I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> I know that. Uh, I'm hanging in there. I'm anxious for the summer to be over. I am sick of this. It's been warm in Philadelphia for a while. Very humid. Had had some relief doing a little camping trip where I did a nine mile hike, which for me is a lot. Wow, that's uh, a lot. And uh, that took three hours. And then uh, after that, the friends that I was camping with, after I was just destroyed and exhausted, and it was close to telling them like, just leave me with the moss. I'm part of the forest oh, now. No. Um, they were like, okay, well, you know, we'll we'll go down to the lake and cool down. And I was like, there's been a lake, <laughs> so we go there. And we spend about 15 minutes at the lake before they're like, all right, I'm ready to go. And I'm like, oh, we should have switched these. Three hours at the lake and a 15-minute hike would have been perfect. And in the, was it in the sweltering heat? Uh, it wasn't as bad as it's been, but it was, you know, it, it was hot. And it was also a day where we were, like, constantly besieged by gnats while walking. So it was more like it, it was a hike where you couldn't really even take in the woods because you were just distracted by hearing things buzz by your head every two or three seconds. Uh, uh, yeah, camping, yeah. camping and me don't, don't, don't normally mix very well, but I gave it a shot. Yeah. I've been on like a camping trip where the bugs were so bad ever. Like all the pictures from that trip are my friends and I in hoodies, like scrunched up. So all you could see <laughs> is like half of our eyes and our nose because the gnats <laughs> and bugs were so bad. <laughs> like these are keepers. <laughs> How have you been doing Christine? Uh, yeah, good. Hanging in there, trying to stay cool. Yeah, not much. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> I can see Sam's cat in the frame, which reminds yeah. me of my cat, who's the shit. I'll say it. I'll say it on air. It's the sh- He's the shittiest cat alive. I love him <laughs> dearly, but he makes so much trouble. No. Yesterday, he escaped for the first time. <laughs> Oh, that's always really stressful. Yeah. All summer, um, I'd been letting him out, like, if I was at home to explore, like, our backyard, just chill, like, we'd just leave him out to chill. And um, he started taking a liking to the fence and starting to try to see if he could jump a, a fence that's, like, probably, like, eight feet. So it's pretty high, but he can, he can do it. And so I had to take him down a couple times and then I had a couple friends over and I left him in the backyard and went back out and he was gone. <laughs> I was like, fuck. <laughs> it 
And it was very stressful. And I was sort of like on the edge of kind of freaking out in front of my friends and being like, I can't enjoy myself because my cat is gone. Can Mm -hmm. you help me find him? It turned out that he had jumped the fence into the neighbor's yard and a friend of mine kindly jumped over the fence and we hoisted him to enticed him with treats. So that's a long story of how my cat is currently in the doghouse, so to speak. <laughs> it's so funny, Christine, because our cats are basically identical. <laughs> um, so I'm just like imagining Phoebe doing that and how like a, a living wreck I would be. So I really <laughs> feel yeah. that's the thing. I felt like I was pretty chill because I would just let him out in the yard. Oh, and there's also a woodchuck that li- or like a groundhog that lives in our yard. <laughs> so like. So Gizli's getting very protective and like territorial because the scent of the groundhog is everywhere. His the groundhog's name is Dan Flashes after the, <laughs> I think we should leave skit. <laughs> and um, so then I think he just wanted to ex- Gizli wanted to explore more. I don't know. Strange, strange. So that's what's new in my world. <laughs> Now that we know what's up and what's happening with ourselves, how about let's talk uh, about some of the, the the movies and the TV shows that we've been watching lately. Yeah, um, what have we been watching? Yeah, what's what's been on the docket? What you been watching? <laughs> uh, well, I suppose I could start. I um, <clears throat> it's been over a year and a half uh, since I had sat in a movie theater seat. Uh, but I did have the pleasure of doing that this past week. I uh, went to the Ritz, uh, Ritz 5 in Philadelphia, kind of my favorite Philly theater, and uh, had a chance to sit down and see the new Nicolas Cage film, Pig. Uh, you may have heard about this movie or seen some of the trailers. Uh, it kind of presents itself as, well, it, pretty simply in the trailer. Uh, and it's frankly a pretty simple story that uh, it suggests that Nicolas Cage is this character, Rob, who lives in the woods alone with his trusty truffle hunting pig. It's a trained truffle pig, so it's, it's very adept at tracking down these truffles that he then sells. Uh, but in the night, a bunch of people seemingly come into his house, burst through the door, knock him unconscious, and steal his precious pig. Oh. So the story becomes... Um, via the trailer and via a lot of the marketing, what you expect is it's going to be kind of like a John Wick revenge bender and like romp where Nicolas Cage is presented as this this grizzled dude who's hardened and is beaten up and is a loner who's going back into the city, into Portland, where the, the film is set and around Portland where it's set, uh, to go hunt down his beloved truffle pig and see uh, see who, who, who lifted it from him. And probably in a bloodbath of... Uh, cleansing and justifying violence, uh, but interestingly enough, uh, I won't I won't spoil much of this movie if people have an interest. That it, it was the, it was the most happily duped and misled I had been by a marketing campaign and rollout since maybe The Witch, uh, because in a lot of surprising ways, it wound up being a very tender meditation on loss and grief, uh, growth and memory, and. Yeah, just in on all fronts was not what I was expecting. Uh, it's not a great movie. It's you know it's definitely worth seeing. Uh, it's what it's it's Nick Cage doing a good job playing a more serious role. It is him so in that sense a bit more restrained than perhaps we're used to. Uh, it also features Alex Wolf of Hereditary fame, uh, who does he does an okay job in it. Uh, a lot of the acting is okay. A lot of the story is very simple. It's it's really kind of won me over with its editing and its themes and its execution of those themes. So 
a mixed bag on the whole, but it was also just tremendous to see a movie in the sacred space of a movie theater again. And to just sort of, you know, uh, having been, having redefined my relationship with my television over the past year and a half, it was just great to be overpowered by a giant screen and just bask in it. And so I think I could have seen just about anything, but it wound up working out really well with pig. Um, and also the last movie I saw before, uh, everything happened would have been cats. So I guess I'm keeping a running theme going. <laughs> but yeah, check out Pig if you get a chance. It's it's at the very least very interesting and surprising. So I have not been to the movie theaters yet, but uh, uh, an exciting thing that I was able to partake in um, was to, to watch a one-night-only A24 screening. So you could buy a ticket to do an at-home screening. So that's how I watched The Green Knight, which I'll save... Oh, cool for uh, another discussion to go more in depth than that. But it was really fun, even from home, the the idea of like being like, okay, this movie's in theaters right now, so I can't find it anywhere streaming, but like I can buy a streaming ticket and get like a screening room through A24 and they're only doing this one, like one night. So even just having that like, sort of like, Oh, I'm in a virtual room while other people, because it was like, it was aired at nine o'clock and you had four hours to watch it. So you could like pause it for like only briefly though. So it felt, it was that still that communal sense of watching something in a night where other people are watching it, um, which made me want to like get back to the theaters. Definitely. I did one or two of those over the pandemic, uh, well, the continuous pandemic, but that were were pretty interesting because some of them, yeah, like you said, are just like an opportunity to experience a film for the first time with a group of people um, or, or like a special TV show, whatever, what have you, um, in this very like communal digital environment. But I also did one that was like a cult classic that was like, it's, it's a movie called uh, Action USA, which is this cheesy 80s movie. But uh, it was just really nice to see that that might be an avenue for like cult film as well moving forward after having necessarily established it for new movies. It, it might be kind of neat if that becomes like a digital screening platform for, uh, I don't know, like revisiting old like chestnuts or, or, or missing links and gems. Yes. The cinema, the cinematic chestnuts and gems. <laughs> I feel like there's probably, I'm probably misusing chestnuts. No, I, okay. love, I love those terms. <laughs> um, Dave, you sharing that Cats was the last movie you saw in theaters made me think about what I have been watching lately. So I have been re-watching some of my favorite seasons of Supernatural. And I even got a Supernatural tattoo recently. Hey! Oh, shit. I haven't seen that yet. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's I'll, sh I'll show you tomorrow. Um, <laughs> anyway, the the episodes, the, the, the season that I started with is uh, <laughs> a season that's all about breaking seals of hell. And it starts with like one <laughs> like um, like catalyst event. And like part of me thinks that you seeing cats in the theater was like our catalyst event. And now everything else has just been the breaking of the seals so that like, you know, it could be hell on earth. So... <laughs> for that <laughs> um it's happy to have jump started us into all of this with with cats of all things yeah, yeah the apocalypse listen it's the smallest things as we come to find in supernatural and you know what like honestly the show the show is what the show is i love it um and it's been really nice to return to it it's um 
such a, a comfort character show for me that I I always knew that it was, but it's been something really special to to return back to it. It's making me remember, you know, 2010, 2011, when I really got into the show and who I was back then and who I am now. It's always like like a good feeling, but then also like, oh, I don't want to remember those days. <laughs> where where was Supernatural playing? Was that a CW show? It was, uh, yeah, it started as a WB and then became CW. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. That interesting transformation. <laughs> yeah, that show really, it, it really lasted. Um, it also was on during the writer's strike. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of comfort TV, I uh, watched both seasons of Detroiters. <gasps> yes. The show that Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson uh, wrote and performed in, uh, and both of them are from I Think You Should Leave with Tim Robinson. And it's like everything I love about I Think You Should Leave, but with like storylines full of heart and like like time to get really invested in all of the characters. And it it just, I when it ended like only two seasons, I was like, I could watch millions of seasons of this show. Um, Part of me feels like when the show was canceled, like the character that Tim Robinson plays in Detroiters is not, I mean, it feels like it's not too far off of like sort of a persona-fied version of like who they are. Because I think Tim Robinson and Sam Richardson were like close friends or like met like improv. They go like way friends. back. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it is kind of and a representation of their friendship. And they're both from Detroit and like, you know, like bond over that and stuff like that. But I feel like once the show got canceled, I think of, I think, I think you should leave as sort of like the Tim character being like, if I can't have this show, I'm going to enter into this space of just like pure chaos. <laughs> and like, like I think you should leave was just born from like frustration and just pure. Yeah. Um, uh, pure desire to be an agent of chaos. And, but you can see little seeds of storylines or sketches or Tim's obsession with hot dogs. I feel like they're always <laughs> eating hot dogs. And How many I, hot dogs have you eaten today? Why do you ask? Well, <laughs> you have ketchup on your shirt and your breath reeks of hot dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And oh, and seeing some of the actors who are in Detroiters pop up, like besides like Sam and Tim, like seeing other people. Connor O'Malley. Yeah. Sketches. I just highly recommend it. Um, yeah. Like just. So, so wonderful balance of of also chaotic, but really well-written sort of sketch humor. But, like, they really build, yeah, as I said, a cast of characters so well that you care and get invested in everyone. And just the friendship between Sam and Tim is just so wonderful. Cramblin Duvet, <laughs> the best ad agency ever. <laughs> Yeah, it's a fantastic show. Um, I was really glad to see her that you were watching it. I went back and rewatched a lot of it, which is very easy to do because I've seen it a lot of times. I remember when the second season was winding down and they were potentially being renewed for a third. Uh, we at the house were crushed to find out that it, was, it wasn't going to go through and that it's only going to be the two seasons. Do you have um, a backstory for all that? Like why? Because it was on Comedy Central, right? Yeah, I just think it wasn't rated highly enough. 
so it, it kind of spun out a little bit, which is, is a bummer because, yeah, it, as you described, it's a show that is is very funny and very character centric, but also has a tremendous amount of heart and it's a very good, like positive comedy. Yeah. So great recommend, Dave. And um, you can almost do it in one free trial of Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. I didn't make it, but <laughs> but it was definitely, definitely worth the uh worth the effort yeah anything else on our radar uh shows or one-off movies that we've seen that have been a part of our lives uh something newly introduced to my life and this i'm thankful is a one-off uh is don's plum that was uh by rd rob this was a movie that came out well, it was shot in 1995 over the course of, I think it was six days. It was largely like totally improvisational and was a very much like black and white mumblecore ripoff of like clerks and things like that, kind of riding the coattails of that movie a year later. Uh, and famously starred, or in, rather infamously starred, Tommy McGuire and Leonardo DiCaprio. Is that how they became best friends? Because they're like besties in real life. Right? No, they they they're very good friends, and they go back a little further than that. Because the, as the as the history of the film explains, their group of friends, which would have been Tobey Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio, David Blaine, magician David Blaine, Kevin Connolly, and several others, were described within Hollywood circles, or at least termed in I think it was a, a Vanity Fair article in the late nineties. Quote, and apologies. The Pussy Posse, uh, which was just sort of a group of celebrity dudes who would like young upstart celebrity dudes who were. I love how town. David Blaine is the wild card in this crew. He's in the mix too, and this is like a very like entourage kind of thing. Like uh, if you if you're familiar with that property or that show or that series, uh, it's kind of a similar idea where it's like tangential hanger hangers on to Leo DiCaprio in this, in this particular scenario, because uh, Tobey Maguire's star was still on the rise, as was magician David Blaine's. Ethan Suplee was part of this group at one point. But at any rate, um, the film plays out as basically th- that group of people or, or re- people representing that group of people coming to a place called Don's Plum, an all-night diner on Saturday nights and quote unquote rule being that they each have to bring a woman with them as like a date. Uh, And then they engage in some meaningless, useless and meandering dialogue. That's all improvised for about like 70 minutes. And is ultimately as far as a movie, pretty much entirely insufferable. Uh, It's, it's, it's like my roommate upon my describing it correctly described it without seeing it as Brett, Brett Easton Ellis's swingers, which is pretty much exactly what it is. Um, and it's, it's pretty horrible and very revealing of like, uh, I mean, they're playing characters and improvising, but to a degree revealing about Leo and Tobey Maguire as kind of maybe not being the best of dudes, especially because after the film came out, and this is the more interesting part, the history of the movie, it was banned in the United States and Canada because Tobey Maguire and Leo DiCaprio respectively, I guess, signed on on the understanding that it was going to be a short film and it was like an experimental film. So we don't need to involve our agents. We're friends. It's a handshake deal. And then this becomes a problem when eventually it's adapted into a full-length feature, which also calls for second shoots with Tobey Maguire. So he's aware that it's a feature, but he's the one that throws a fit on Leo's behalf that it's not. It becomes this whole, no pun intended with Tobey Maguire being part of it, this whole entangled web of really insane 
and really uh, revealing industry uh, privilege and power versus like artistic sentiment. It, it, the the a lot of the writers for this movie were entirely blacklisted as a result of it. It's a fascinating story that we're definitely going to cover one day. Uh, that having been said, I would not recommend the movie at all. It's a really, really bad experimental film that feels very juvenile and useless. But I would recommend, um, and this isn't something I normally do, the New York Post uh, documentary on the making of the film, which is uh, pretty fascinating, albeit obviously very sensational and biased. But uh, yeah, it's very revealing, the whole story, and I'm sure we're going to cover it someday. So it was was. Glad to have uh, peered into the void in that sense with this uh, this fixture. Before you mentioned there was a making of documentary, I was like, Dave, it sounds like this is the movie. This is the documentary you should make. The behind the scenes <laughs> web of, of intrigue and lies and deception and Tobey Maguire going behind his friend's back and agreeing to do a full-length feature. And then ultimately... Their friendship must run deep because it sounds mm-hmm. like that was a friendship storm that they, you know, had to weather together. Yeah. And like, I mean, a lot of the movie, because it is so juvenile and so improv, improv, uh, improvised among young actors is, who who didn't think it was going to get a wide release. Tobey Maguire in a discussion of masturbation is talking about using his pinky for whatever, let's say, uh, unless you've seen it. Um and that was his big objection. That was ultimately because he felt that, uh, uh, although it paints all of them as garbage people, his big objection was this one relatively common masturbation quirk. And that resulted in a legal windfall that destroyed a producer's career and influenced countless people's lives. It's pretty crazy. We'll, we'll definitely discuss the, it someday. All of the actors seem to like move on unscathed. Pretty much. I mean, there are some like lesser known actors and actresses who are in it, but for the most part, they all came out of it fine. It's it's more or less uh, the one writer and producer who was uh, whose career was completely demolished. Wow. Damn. But it's a fascinating story that we're going to cover sometime. I'm looking forward to it when I can take, sink my teeth into it a little more. Um, speaking about tangled webs, two things um, and Tobey Maguire. One, the Spider-Man trailer dropped yesterday, I want to say, and it looks fucking rad. Um, I think it's like pretty certain that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are going to make appearances in it. Um, we got to see Alfred Molina back again as Doc Ock. So mm-hmm. it's I, this movie really feels like a love letter to fans that have really been with Spider-Man for uh, 20 some years. Well, I mean, with the movies, 20 some years, but with the comic for a lot longer than that. But other than that, another Tangled Web is the trilogy of movies on Netflix, um, Fear Street, based mm. on of R.L. Stein. So these movies, they look kind of cheesy and they sort of are but I really really enjoyed them so um there's 1994, 1978, and then 1666. And like, you have to watch them in that order. And the first two that I, like I I noticed um, are really based around like one big horror film from that like from the 90s from the 70s there's like callbacks to other movies too but 94 was very much like scream based 78 which is my favorite of the three um was very much like friday the 13th um 
and they're you know they are what they are but they were fun to watch and um I think like the third one let me down in a lot of ways because I think they were building up to like a bigger story I felt a bigger story than what it was still good though I would definitely recommend it so wait these are three separate movies as I understood it it was like it was an anthology but it was self-contained um or is it more of like a multi a multi-movie anthology if you want answers watch all three if you are okay with things being left open-ended you can only watch one um i think yeah i mean like if i just watched 1994 by itself i would have been like yeah that's that's enough i don't really need the mystery of that like i'm totally fine yeah nice I've been interested because I remember reading some of those, but I was a big Goosebumps fan. And then as I aged, you know, uh, he graduated to Fear Street, which is for like uh, teens who who grew up on the Goosebumps book. And I remember reading some of those and being pretty into them. So ah, like R.L. Stein, I'll probably check it out. Yeah, they're they're definitely like campy, but, Mm. you know, as it sort of like should be. Feels that way, yeah. Are there any, no, like who, I guess who stars in them? There's like, I would say that the, there was not really one person I recognized. Um, Maybe one, maybe the person who plays C. Berman. I'm not going to spoil anything for any money. Um, She was a bit familiar, but other than that, everybody sort of looked like other people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking it up now. I don't see a lot of names I recognize. That's interesting. All Hollywood doppelgangers. Hmm. Kind of, though. Yeah. Well... I haven't really been watching much else, to be totally honest with you guys. It's really just been Detroiters or Bust. <laughs> nice. That's a good place to be. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I entered these past two weeks with an objective, you know, and it was like, watch as much of this show as I can. And uh, kind of no time for anything else. I'm still waiting for a stream of old to come on on some website and I just cannot find it and reviews just keep streaming in and I'm like I need I need to make this from I need to do this for myself and make this uh the decision as to whether I liked it or did not I was just checking the web I haven't found any links yeah, it's like nowhere. I'm like, dang, M Night has like a hold on all illegal streaming or something. But he does have a new movie in production. So stay tuned for more info on that later. It's unstoppable. He's turning them out unstoppable. Yeah. Or unbreakable. He's, he's unbreakable. Yeah. So watch out for signs of his new movie. And who knows? It might be the happening of the year. <laughs> Oh, my God. And you know what? These movies, they really take like a whole village to make, but it's always sort of worth it at the end. Especially um, if you find yourself a later, a, a lady in the water of uh, <laughs> cinematic, uh, I don't know, uncertainty, and you must find a definitively good movie and you'll find yourself uh, watching an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Yeah, if you're split on what movie to watch. If you're split on what movie to watch, it's... If we get them all, I think we got them all. No. uh, Well, it all depends on, like, what we're visiting. Um, Are we visiting certain themes here, you know? 
Do you have a sixth sense for the subtext? Yeah, (laughs) I couldn't get it. I couldn't figure it out. Also, glass. Um. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, you heard it here, folks. We just managed to list every M. Night Shyamalan in a very, very casual conversation. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was about as nuanced as his dialogue. Ooh, Stinger. Wow. Um, we should just, this should be a theme for an episode is we pick all of the filmography of a, of a director and only speak in titles. It's either going to be short episodes or extremely tedious reviews of lengthy filmographies. And every, and nobody's going to want to listen to that. It almost is like, what if we played a live, um, the the actor game when you mention like, okay, what's the mm. distance between... Six degrees, first, yeah. Yeah. And Kevin Bacon, oh first. yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of TV and uh, and television series, Sam, have you made it any further with uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion? No, I haven't. I'm sorry. That's okay. I ask only because uh, as devotees and uh, disappointed devotees at that, uh, no, the Rebuild franchise has just concluded. Uh, That is, uh, of course, uh, there's Neon Genesis Evangelion. There is the end of Evangelion, the accompanying movie to the end of the series. And then there is Anno, the creator's um, extension of the series, as he, quote unquote, always intended it to be after an infamous wave of fan backlash to its ending. Um, So he's made these rebuild movies. This is the fourth installment of four uh, that was just released. It's, I believe, Thrice Upon a Time is the subtitle for it. Uh, I watched it going into it expecting to really hate it because I have disliked the rebuild movies across the board. I don't consider them canon, and I think they're annoying revisionist material. But that having been said, I think that uh, Thrice Upon a Time may offer us as Evangelion fans the most uh the most digestible version of closure to the story. Uh Christine, I think you know you might agree that the first two are pretty interpretive. This one is pretty explicit. Uh so in that sense it's interesting, but I also wouldn't recommend that fans of Neon Genesis or newcomers watch the rebuilds in general. So it was uh, it was a movie I expected to hate and mildly enjoyed. So in that sense, I was satisfied, if not surprised. Are you allowed to give away what happens in the end? Because I am very curious. Or we can have this conversation offline. Uh, I'll decide. <laughs> if you if you are a rebuild fan and haven't seen it, tune out right now. If by contrast you're a little more rational than that, then it's okay to hear that uh because again i don't consider a canon i don't think it for sam it's not going to spoil anything about neon genesis even gelling because it's it's a rebuild it's a separate re re-envisioning of this whole the characters and everything uh the end is a different for, form of closure where uh after the fourth impact uh shinji decides that that everyone has suffered because he's he's given he's granted the same kind of like freedom of choice in terms of like dictating the new terms of this world uh, that he is in in parts of the series, uh, but in this he chooses ultimately to recreate a world that is absent Evangelians entirely, um, one that is 
It suggests the rebuild suggests that there's this endless recycling of these characters into a doomed plot where there are vague differences, but it ultimately plays out the same way. But Shinji in this version has the freedom to choose a world without Evangelion's entirely. And that winds up being the ending, uh, which then melds animation into a drone shot of the real world. Uh, suggesting that, yes, this is literally the actual end of Evangelion in the sense that if you are to accept this as canonical and recycled time, then no, it's actually over this time. <laughs> wow, that's pretty definitive. That's a pretty definitive end. But it is. What does Shinji go on to do? Like, I'm trying to imagine him, like, you know, clocking in at work and, like, just, like, going about his normal life. and. It's going to be a lot of moping and crying no matter what. He's Shinji yeah. Ikari, but... But at the end of the day, it's it's it suggests that everyone has found happiness because they aren't thrust into a scenario where they have the obligation and the horrifying obligation of defending the world from angels through Evangelions. But then um, it's like once you've defended the world from angels, like how are you going to settle back and like? Yeah, especially you know? because in the rebuild movies, it's it's revealed that because they are Evangelion pilots, they don't age while the rest of the world does. Oh, okay. I did, wow. Okay, so he's looking it gets at eternal, really stupid. Eternal youth. Yeah, he's got to he's got to have like a life coach. You know, like you're you're facing a future of eternal youth. You got to figure out a great way to spend your time. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it is what it is. It's it's over now. <laughs> I I feel relief knowing that it is finally <laughs> really over this time. But I still I still adore the original film and series. Uh, the rebuilds are optional in my opinion. And having uh, explored the optional, uh, I hated a lot of it, but I found the closing chapter to be interesting. When I was getting my tattoo, my tattoo artist and I, we, we chat, um, we have very similar interests. And I mentioned that I was bullied into watching this. And she said- <laughs> I'm glad it was bullied, yeah. Bullied. I was like, I was dared in the group chat and I can't turn that down. And um, she was like, are you like into anime? And I was like, not really. And she's like, that? is a very interesting step into. <laughs> she was like, I would have suggested like Full Metal Alchemist. That's but... a good suggestion. Yeah. So... <laughs> now you, you really got thrown into the deep end with this <laughs> if, if, as far as anime goes. Yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> One last thing I watched for the first time, Escape from New York a couple nights ago and I loved it. Great movie. I have not been able to stop talking about it and like relating it to things in my life. So I think that's how you know when like a movie is good that you just, it's been 30 some years. Wait, came out in like 81. Oh my God, it's like 40 years well, old. Well, didn't the thing come out in 81? Because then, because that's Kurt Russell, right? The yeah. Rescue from New York. So he would have been tied up with the, with thing. the thing. It is 81. So it on it. 81. Mm. Yeah. So I guess it would have been right after literally 40 years ago so you know there are some problems but overall i i enjoyed it um watching the credits was really hysterical because there were literally characters just named like punk bum and um we loved it so much that now um in my housemate group chat i've changed some of their names to <laughs> to, to bum <laughs> slang you know like really offensive things but love it yeah it's a really fun movie it is I mean, Carpenter I is just on like, fire all the time, so. 
Oh, yeah. Like, in, I've never seen the movie, but in my mind's eye, I can imagine Barrel Fires and Kurt Russell, like, in, like, full beard. Or, like, kind of scraggle beard? No beard. A lot of hair. Long hair? Long, yeah. Long hair and, uh, and an eye patch. He's got a good yes. shack going oh. on. So, uh, one of my favorite movie lines is, I don't give a shit about your war or your president. <laughs> <laughs> the when, when they are over the intercom and they're like, um, you can be you have the choice of being terminated on site and then immediately cremated. I was like, holy shit, <laughs> that is intense. But free cremation, I mean, you know. I uh, you know, you can't turn that down. <laughs> I would add one last thing also that uh we we as as has been established, if you go back. And you listen and reminisce about our previous episodes, which, you know, uh, maybe we'll be doing something like that soon. If you were to go back and you were to trace our roots back to our our first couple episodes, we did have something called the whiteboard question. And that was uh, a free form question and answer session in which we would uh, we'd bring one another to sort of a broad movie or entertainment related question and I'll offer our individual answers. We've also uh, done that at work. There is literally a whiteboard where we work and uh, every once in a while we'll pose a question just to the staff that is like an open-ended question and we, we individually write down our responses. The one that I just put up the other day was, uh, what is your favorite bad, good bad 80s or, or in general action movie? And it got a variety of responses. I remember putting mine as, um, you know, things like, as discussed before, Action USA, uh, famously Quiet Cool, I Come in Peace, uh, a movie called Dead Heat, which I'm sure we'll be talking about someday soon, and a a litany of others. Uh, And we got a a bunch of interesting responses, two of which I was really interested in because I found them to be infuriating. One of them was 1999's The Mummy. Again, the framing of this question is... Well, no, it was, I think I just tacked that on. It was, it was broader. It was, what is your favorite good, bad action movie? And somebody wrote The Mummy. Whoever Damn. that was, I will physically fight you. I <laughs> And just know that this is the gauntlet being thrown. And I'll tell you what, I am tiny, but I have a, a solid core and I'll kill you. I thought that would touch a nerve. As did another one of the entries, RoboCop. Which we've also recently discussed. Um, so like someone's been listening to our episodes and just wanting to. Maybe just, we're getting yeah, trolled. Twist the knife a little. They're turning the whiteboard against us. Yeah. Remember the witch hunts we used to do to figure out like who answered what? We could still do this. It was before everyone knew everyone's handwriting, but yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I was shocked. I mean, there were also some other interesting ones. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head. I mean, like. Um, uh, someone had put uh, about Jupiter ascending, Ugh. which I tried to watch the other night and I couldn't make it through. No. Um, which doesn't happen for me a lot with movies. I'm gonna have to take that one in small bites. But uh, also just uh, yeah, just a lot of shocking responses, and I think just a broad misunderstanding of my presented definition of good, bad, or whatever. Because a lot of them are like people. I've talked to people at work and being like, why did you pick this one? And they're like, oh, it's really bad. And I'm like, yeah, but is it good? And then they're like, or like, oh, this one's really good. And it's like, yeah, but it's bad. And I'm like, wait, why? So interesting conversations to be had there as we used to have with our whiteboard questions. 
I also did text my dad before this episode started because we went into this without a safety net or a plan, really, other than catching up. And I was like, hey, dad, I mean, why don't you go ahead and text me uh, a question about a movie that uh, a movie question for all of us. But he hasn't responded. So <laughs> maybe maybe next week. Can't wait for this. Yeah, I'd have to th- think on that one. I don't know. I had so many answers because I love that kind of movie. I truly will physically fight whoever that was. Like, I'm I'm furious. I'm fuming over here. Oh, another one was John Carpenter's They Live. And I was like, wait, that's actually a good movie. What do you mean? People just have bad taste sometimes. <laughs> I, talk, I uh, talked about The Mummy today at work because um, uh, somebody I work with, like, drank a cool glass of water and then went... <laughs> and then we were talking about that impulse of like just wanting to like exhale and just and then I was like it definitely reminds me of the wide open mouth of the mummy during the sandstorm. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like I can imagine like CGI Imhotep like having just like drunk a cool icy glass of water and it's just like <sighs> and then like all of the sands of the desert just <laughs> come out of his mouth. Arnold Fossler just has a very good Egyptian beer and the desert is torn asunder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, he's got a lot of like, yeah, as we chatted uh, in the, about in the previous Mommy episode, he's just, yeah, a lot of open mouth uh, close-ups. <laughs> I will say quickly, Sam, a lot of people came to your aid because a lot of people were saying like, wait, the Mummy? That's just good. <laughs> good, good. So maybe we can narrow it down that way. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Like, I'm not above going deep here. Well, folks, that's what's on our table. You've heard it. You heard it here. Great shows, some interesting movies, some bad movies, but <laughs> of documentaries of those movies. We covered a lot of ground. Um, and if you couldn't tell from the beginning of the episode... This week's episode was not our big special <laughs> moment. <laughs> Surprise. As much as uh, we did, as much ground as we did cover today and uh, sort of deep insights we arrived at next week, in fact, is our uh, big special surprise for you all. And we're really excited about that. But thanks for, you know, tuning in as we catch up, kind of shoot the shit. I always like these episodes two where we just yeah we just kind of roll with whatever's on the you know top of our brain or in the recesses of our brain that suddenly just pops to the front and you're like where did that come from you know it's it's all it's all there but um I once again you can catch us on all of our socials you know when you brought up the whiteboard question Dave I was like I missed the whiteboard yeah maybe Maybe that'll work its way back into our, uh, you know, discussion. And if you have any ideas for great whiteboard questions, because I feel like we start we started to run out of some ideas towards the end. <laughs> but um, if you've got some fresh content, let us know. Email us, you know, message us, whatever. Um, we I'm said it before. Gonna... Help us, help us. <laughs> help us, help us. Yeah. Once again, it's all about us. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, let us know in the meantime, have a wonderful, whatever, stay cool out there, stay hydrated and, um, 
We're going to catch you all uh, next week for our very special surprise episode. Take care. Bye.